Did we talk about um, uh, Wayne Newton's hair yet? Um, well, I need to I need to point this out because Graham mm-hmm. described it described Wayne Newton's hair as a hundred percent shoe polish, which <laughs> we, which we all got a good laugh at. It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. By video. I'll use my soft-spoken voice. Okay. I'll use my bedroom voice. All right. Well. (laughs) I don't know if I'll be able to contain myself, but I'll try. (laughs) Well, welcome back to Death by Video. I'm Graham. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. Lillian. Yes, we are joined yet again by Lillian Perez, our guest from last week, who was on the uh, Get Even or Get Even episode. And tonight we are watching Best of the Best Part 2, starring Eric Roberts, Chris Penn, and Wayne Newton. And? Speaking to the mic! I don't, I'm getting sick of this. This is episode 11. Uh, oh, of, hold on. Sorry. <clears throat> first of all... And by Philip Ree. All right, Philip Ree. Did he play... He plays the... Um, he plays <coughs> Tommy Lee, no affiliation to the drummer. Yep. Who is the uh, the Asian, the sole Asian member of the uh, martial arts clique in this film? So, before we get into it, has anyone seen anything good since we last recorded, movie wise? No. Wait, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm yelling into the mic again. Yeah, um, yes, the other night we uh, watched uh, *The Decline of Western Civilization* three, the little scene, but recently re-released *Decline of Western Civilization* three. Focusing on the 1990s crust punk scene, or gutter punk scene of Los Angeles, correct? By Penelope Spiris from, I think it was shot in 96, released in 1998? Something like that. Yeah. Which she funded with her Wayne's World and Little Rascals money. Mm-hmm. It was interesting seeing the, um, the 1990s California punk scene, because it's definitely like a third wave, warmed over version of the original 1970s, early 80s. Uh, Los Angeles punk scene and yeah definitely warped tour side stage type mm-hmm. punk rock uh. like sub 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 side stage but yeah and uh, kid have you watched anything in the last week since we last recorded I watched most of the Batman Lego movie not my choice it was just on at a friend's how was it it's what you would expect it to be oh man there's like race cars outside the old uh, the old video store they're popping their wheelies and I know. Well, we are up in uh, you know North Markham slash South uh, New Market slash uh, East Richmond Hill, so. Um, you don't think it's the ghosts, do you? She knows Ooh. about the ghosts. Whoa! How can you not? They. I tried to be here at nine, but they wrestled me and and mm. they wouldn't let me come through and. I finally wow. made it at 902. See, this is why uh, this is the problem with this uh, part of the greater Toronto area. It's um, <laughs> people mm-hmm. they go to the video store for entertainment value and uh, 
since they know that the video store's haunted mm-hmm. and they have to pop wheelies and yeah. free ghost ride the whip and whatever yeah. it is the kids we're, do. We're kind of like that graveyard out by the airport that's like, like this is like the last building surrounded by highways. Highway 7, 8, 9, and the infamous Highway 14. I don't know that highway. Mm-hmm. Lillian, have you watched anything in the last week? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so it's up to me then. So, uh, no. Oh, you weren't there for it. Tu Wang Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Oh, yes, which you missed Which you missed trivia for. I did, but it wasn't movie trivia, so I don't feel bad. Okay, fair. Phil, you were there as well. I was. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because... Um, you don't need to applaud Lee, but thank you. Um, I think it's interesting... I love that movie. How, how does it hold up? I haven't never seen it, but... It's actually better because here's the thing. I watched it because it used to be on TBS all the time when I was a kid. And I thought, like, oh, the joke is it's guys wearing dresses. But now that I'm older, I'm like, no, they actually really play those characters really well, and they're hilarious. And just on its own, if it wasn't Patrick Swayze, uh, Wesley Snipes, and uh, Luigi from the Mario Brothers movie. (laughs) John Leguizamo. Yeah, John Leguizamo, I know. Luigi, woo! Yep, the cool Luigi with the backwards baseball hat. Otherwise known as The Pest from that one movie he did, remember that? You mean called The Pest? Yeah, yes. Although I do like uh, that uh, the shade throwing Luigi from that recent Mario Kart uh, inspired a lot of video remixes where it's like such a like riding dirty by uh, Camille there where it's just like Luigi just throwing like death glare. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about any of this, but I love to hear it. <laughs> maybe I'll edit some of that in, or maybe I won't. Ooh, we'll find out. Yeah, um, it needs a visual. Yeah, so we watched uh, Tuong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Um, I watched the original Exterminator, which we're going to be covering. We covered the Exterminator Part 2 on our third episode, I think. Yep. Um, that so was, that no, was... Oh, no, it was the fourth episode. Oh, the third episode was Unholy, Unholy Rollers. Rollers. Right, right. So episode four. The Exterminator did. episode was a mess, if our listeners remember. It was... Was that... Yeah, that was the most difficult one I had to... <laughs> Why? We were so drunk. Yeah, we, uh, have you ever had RoboHop, Lil? <laughs> RoboHop? RoboHop, it's a beer. Uh, it's, what, it's what I'm drinking right now. Uh, yeah. It gets a lot of wrecked. product placement here. We have, pro- yeah, 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 we have. What's the percentage? What's the, is it a strong beer? Mm. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, Hold the mic next to his face, kid. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, uh, geez, it's, oh, my God, it's 8.5%. How did you not know that, Phil? Whoa. I knew it was strong, but I, I didn't. Cool. Yeah, it's very strong. We, um, we we each had, I think, two of them or one of them or something. Yeah. Oh plus, God, I think, extra beers after yeah, that. Yeah, plus, plus like a six-pack of old Milwaukee, so it was a bit uh, It was a bit of a... We, we were as sloppy as we've been, I think. Mm. And what episode was this? I need to check this out. It was episode four, uh, The Exterminator Part <laughs> 2. However... I spent ten hours editing it, and I edited us. I edited us into sobriety, which oh, oh yeah, it flows together really well. We go on this little right long. Oh, uh, is there a, uh, in the green room scenes or something like maybe behind the scenes or cutting room the floor outtakes, scenes? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do have the unedited audio. Yeah, how was Exterminator One? Was it soulful? It was a little bit more soulful. It actually <laughs> it was because it was actually in the seventies. And it was like Exterminator 2 is way more like superhero nonsense, kind of like he was wearing the costume that he had on the, the cover of the uh, the poster. Whereas in, in Exterminator 1, he's just a dude that came back from Vietnam 
and who kind of gets set off on down this you know vigilante path to uh, to chaos and destruction. So it's it's first blood. Yeah, but in New York City, and with pimps and prostitutes, and uh, didn't know what. So the, it's it's death wish and first blood. Yeah, with a healthy dash of taxi driver thrown in. Yeah, I was gonna say taxi driver. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that it. Uh, I now know what a chicken house is, which I didn't before, and which I'm kind of depressed to know of its existence. But we'll save that for when we watch it on a future episode. Stay tuned, listeners. All 20 of you, we love you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Lil just blew you a kiss. Um, So talking about this film, Best of the Best 2. The original Best of the Best came out in 1989, and I saw it as a young boy living in uh, Newfoundland on TBS, where I saw many movies in the 1990s, way back when we had TV and and before the internet. Um, And it, I assumed it was a true story. However, when doing research today, I couldn't actually find any actual proof of it being a true story however it is presented as a class as the classy martial arts film of the uh american taekwondo team (coughs) facing off against their korean rivals so it's just that plausible yeah it it was quite plausible and it also featured james earl jones as their coach so you he kind of like said everything with great gravitas so you were just like oh this must be legit because james earl jones a legit actor is in this Although it, although it did feature Chris Penn as a Taekwondo expert, are, are you talking about the first movie or the second movie? The first one. Okay, because I was I'm a little worried. I haven't seen the first one. I'm I'm worried that I'll miss the thread of the plot. So Chris Penn's in both Best of the Best movies. Yes, Best of the Best one and Best of the Best two. There is a Best of the Best three, and I think a four as well. Probably straight to video. Yes, as was part two, to be honest. And stocked at Best of the Best video, I would assume. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that particular video store chain. Oh, that's so odd. Lil, have you seen the original Best of the Best? Yes. Seriously? Yeah. Really? Describe the plot of the first one for us, Lil. I didn't know you saw that. That's crazy. Why? Why? I, I just, you never mentioned it. You never mentioned it until the, the, now. The, Perez, the sisters Perez have seen everything, Graham. I, I didn't, okay. So I just did what I always complain about everything. Like, I was pointing the microphone at Lillian talking, and you, Lillian pointed, like, no, you gotta point the microphone at yourself. I am, I am amazed that you saw Best of the Best. That's so good. Why? Because nobody saw it. It was on TV. Yeah, you saw it on TBS, Graham. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> You're single-handedly uh, keeping it running on TBS. No, I saw it back in the day, and uh, I just remember it. For some reason, I remember that movie. And uh, what do you remember? Why, but it was—I uh, don't know. I remember enjoying it, and there were sequels, and I may have caught them. The second one, I may have seen, maybe. If it if it was if it if it was playing on TV, because I know there was another part. I, th- I like you guys were saying. There's like four or five. I think so. That's what I when I checked IMDb. Apparently, there's sequels yeah. plural. I've seen I've I've seen two like not in full and I don't know which ones. That's all. Okay, because nobody <laughs> saw Best of the Best two. <laughs> Graham's face during all of this has been priceless. Oh, how is that possible? I just know I've never met anyone that A saw the first one, let alone the second one. 
and and the people that showed me the second one had not seen the first one. They were my cousins that lived in uh, in Stock Cove, Newfoundland. Scott Shurik has seen Best of the Best too. And he has. He should. I, I he told described him what, it as proto uh, UFC. The uh, the fighting. Oh, it's very proto UFC. So their big get for their like big actor in this one they replaced because they couldn't get James Earl Jones back obviously because it was a lower budget film was Wayne Newton as the host of this Coliseum Lillian's not her head she knows well no no you mentioned you mentioned that he's in it and and that that rang a bell too I think I might have I think I might have caught this one but uh it's been a it's been a long time it's been it's been a while yeah oh my god I'm so thrilled did you just sneak in a stain reference in there <laughs> no, I wasn't trying to, but I but I might have. It's been a while. I remember when that song came out in the late nineties. Like I was like, man, these new uh, these new metal bands are running out of angst. They're like starting to get all sad and stuff. Mm. Um. So, anyways, best of the best two um, features an underground fighting competition in. I think it's Reno, not even Las Vegas. They couldn't even go to Las Vegas. They went to the, the poor man's Las Vegas. So, Reno. so uh, Wayne Newton was just staying local. Uh. Yep, staying local, getting paid. Yeah. It may have been a venue thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally let's, true. Let's get Wayne Newton. Or, yeah, do, I, I, do, I think he, he was, he was probably like contractually obligated. He, he couldn't leave. Uh, he oh. wanted to do the movie, so he just... Yeah. So, bound. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and, okay, so I should point out, the people that uh, showed me this film was my cousin Austin in uh, Stock Cove, uh, Newfoundland. And this is Best a, of the Best 2 now. Best of the Best 2, which they rented from there, which was a convenience store, gas station, which, uh, and slash video store. And they had a, I remember a limited remember selection. Those. But this was a very limited selection of videotapes, and one of them was Best of the Best 2. And, Graham, maybe just because you're wondering, uh, I spent a year in Newfoundland as a kid so maybe that's maybe that's where you saw it okay yeah Lillian uh, we should point out that Lillian is the uh, the former Soviet Union's finest export um, and uh, she came to Canada settled in my home province of Newfoundland and uh, for about a year or so mm-hmm, that's right yep and uh, we were how lucky. did I not know this detail you didn't know it yeah, St. John's. We lived there for a year. Sweet. We moved to London, Ontario, Ontario. for a year, and then Toronto. Woo, and we stayed. Woo. Wicked. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, she, uh, the lovely people of Newfoundland took them in, and then the lovely people of Toronto adopted them. Although, they came here with their mom, so it's not like yeah. they were really adopted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Newfoundland loves best of the best and best of the best, too. And Lillian Perez. Yes. Woo-woo. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to. I love how like less rambunctious this is when there's no, when we weren't drinking for an hour beforehand. <laughs> yeah. So um. So we're gonna. I think it's got something. To I, I I don't. I was just. <laughs> Phil passed me the mic, and I thought I'd hold it. All right. So we're gonna pop that tape in the VCR, and uh, watch Best of the Best Two, featuring Eric Roberts, Chris Penn, and Wayne Newton as Wayne Newton. We'll be right back. All of your life has led you here. Suddenly, the moment of truth is near. No one can hold you down. Nothing could touch.
it out. And we're back after Best of the Best Part 2. Yes. <laughs> All right. Can you hear the enthusiasm? Right. So, guys, how do we feel after Best of the Best Part 2? Tired. We feel great. <laughs> I'm pumped. Yeah, me too. Uh, it, <laughs> we, <laughs> the, most of the room has just had a cup of coffee, so... Much needed. I <laughs> uh, like my, my veins are about like eighty percent coffee, right? Like always. So I'm always up to talk about movies. It's espresso coffee too, so this is some strong stuff. What's it's the name of that coffee? Intenso. Mmm. It mm. sounds a lot like intense. I'm pretty sure it's the Italian word for intense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Intenso. Um, so, we just watched um, Philip Ray uh, kill a poor man, Dolph Lundgren. Uh-huh. The proletariat, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> Lil, start us off with Best of the Best Part 2. Oh, no, really? Yes, really. Where do you start? Thanks, Kit. Kit, where, do you Where wanna- do you start? Okay, why don't you, uh, with your fresh eyes, why don't you uh, take this one? How do I have fresh eyes for this, exactly? You took so many notes. Also, I, that's not the rules. When I say, Phil, take us through it, you gotta take us, at least start us off. Where does where does the film start? Well, there's this uh, death match, right? That's the end. Well, no, doesn't no. it start also? Oh, right, Chris Penn, but that's... We're introduced to the Coliseum. Yes. Okay, so there's a, a kind of skeevy upper class dance club called the Thanks, the Stock Exchange, and a few floors below that is a coliseum. It's literally and figuratively an underground death match. And it's like well, a what's the place sc- called? What does Wayne Newton keep introducing it as? The Coliseum. The Coliseum. But like the stock exchange, I thought it was like a literal stock exchange because you saw you see like all these suit and tie guys. Bourgeoisie, the bourgeoisie, yeah. and the proletariat mm-hmm. uh, fighting to the death for the entertainment of the bourgeoisie. There, there's a lot of class warfare subtext <laughs> yeah. going on in this. <laughs> yeah, it's a very Marxist film. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, doesn't Chris Penn come out wearing a red jumpsuit when he goes to fight Baracus? So we should set up so, right. so in Best of the Best One He's also wearing a blue jumpsuit in the, and the first, yeah. So in Best of the Best One uh, Chris Penn, Eric Roberts, and Philip Ray are members of the American karate team who face the Korean karate team who this this movie goes full on Rocky, it, it, leaps, it leapfrogs to Rocky 4 and then backtracks to Rocky 3 Question. Yes. Was Chris Penn in better shape for the for the first installment? <laughs> Not really. Oh, well, this is shortly after 1993. This would be shortly after um, Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. If you guys have seen that, nice guy, Eddie. And uh, circa Beethoven's second. That's true. For all you Beethoven's second fans <laughs> out there. Wait, there's another so movie you guys mentioned tonight that came out around that time. What's that movie? Shortcuts? Yeah. It's a good one, yeah. Yeah, the Robert Altman film, yes. He was in that. He played Jennifer Jason Lee's husband, and she played a phone sex operator. Didn't the Boys Club also come out around this time? That was a couple years after. That was uh, that was right when uh, Devin Sawa's career was about to take off. So, 96-ish, 95? 95, 96. I, I, all I remember about that movie is that like Devin Sawa was wearing a tragically hip shirt the entire movie. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Little King Kong. It was always on TMN circa the mid 90s. TMN, woo! TMN. 
Was it a Canadian film that like tried to pass oh, itself off? Oh, it was off? so Canadian. Oh, okay, so it was like borderline normal where it's like, uh, this is totally a Canadian film, but we're pretending it's America. I don't think so. I don't think they pretend it is. I don't, I don't even know if they even specify where it is, but like, Devin Sawa's Canadian and like the Tragically Hip shirt's a dead giveaway. Devin Sawa's Canadian? Yeah. I think he's from like BC or somewhere. He would be. I don't know who Devin Saul is. Sawa, dude, Idle Hands. Casper, dude. Wild America. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Final Destination, the first one. Right, right, I, I right. saw none of these films. You didn't what? see Idle Hands? Devil's Playground? I, I remember Idle Hands. I didn't see it. That was good. It was really good. Yeah. Maybe we should, maybe we should do that one. Idle Hands next time? We'll see what the ghosts say at the end of the episode. Oh, they're going to try to strangle us. No. They're idle hands. Yeah, that's, that's what idle hands do. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's yeah, yeah they, they really run with that, like, Evil Dead 2. Uh, yeah, they took, they took like, a 20-minute uh, sequence yeah. from Evil Dead 2 and stretched it out over, over a movie, yeah. and it worked. It worked, guys. If you haven't seen Idle Hands. I saw the movie in the theater. I envy you so much. I saw that movie on VHS. I Everybody was, had I was a crush on Jessica Alba at the time. Oh my God, young Jessica. Oh, she's in that. She's, is, oh yeah. She plays so you're gonna watch that now, aren't you, Ted? <laughs> she's so young in that movie. Like that was when she was on the the TV show Flipper. If you remember that, the the '90s revival. Of oh Flipper. yeah, like she was like roughly our age, and I guess she is roughly our age. What was it? She was was it Alias or is that Jennifer Garner? That's, That's Jennifer. Garner. You're thinking of uh, Dark Angel. Dark Angel. Thank you. Yeah, that was the show she was on. Produced by James Cameron. Pilot by James Cameron. Canceled after one season, because as we know, James Cameron productions suck. You hear that, Brandon Cox? You do ya? I know you listen to every episode, Brandon. That one's for you. Also, like, evil Graham Shepard is shaking in his boots right now. Who's evil Graham Shepard? Oh. Oh, Oh, you mean 1993 Graham Shepard? Evil Graham Shepard. What are you talking about, kid? Oh, God. Is he back? I'm never that far away. (laughs) Okay, so back to best of the best part, too. We still haven't gotten past the first scene, so I'll (laughs) take over. This is a theme. (laughs) So, Lil, in case you, like, this is your second episode being on it, in case you haven't realized it by now, like, normally when I say, like, take us through it, somebody goes, starts to it, goes on a tangent, and then I have to be like, well, now I'll go through it. It's true. That happens. So you played right into our normal um, podcast hands. Oh, Way to go. Well done. Thanks. So Best of the Best 2 takes place after Best of the Best 1, obviously. James Earl Jones is no longer part of the cast, and we are in Las Vegas. Wasn't Jean-Claude also? No. No. I'm thinking of something else. You're thinking of... uh, Bloodsport. Bloodsport or The Guest. Or not the guest, the quest. <laughs> the guest. Yeah, the guest is a great movie, but no, it's it's the quest you're thinking of. So after that, the uh, it made the front page of the paper. The mm-hmm. U.S. Karate Champions open a school somewhere, up, up karate school or yeah, whatever, in somewhere in Las On Vegas. On Slow News Day. Yeah, and I was wrong. It's not Reno uh, that the film takes place in. It's actually Las Vegas proper. Although I'm pretty sure it was shot in Reno because there's no like familiar sights of the Las Vegas Strip. It's just like one small street of neon lights. And I believe it's Las Vegas. Wayne Newton never leaves Las Vegas. No, I don't think he can. I think um, the spirits have bound him to that city. He's locked in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, Chris Penn has won a preliminary match at the Coliseum against a French fighter. 
Um, Chris Penn's such a bruiser too. He's all like fists and like he's just like hammer strikes, not even like punches. <laughs> just like just like uh, he's like the bully in high school. Like I'm gonna pound your back until you fall down. Um, in his blue gi because he's a karate champion and a cowboy I'm sure that's hat. like totally like real life. Chris Penn just like bringing yeah. back his old like junior high. Uh, fighting moves. yeah i'm pretty sure it was like they were like so we've got all this fight choreography and he's like no 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 no. i'm chris penn i was in <laughs> reservoir dogs i just punch people in the back and they fall down and uh he, he utters the phrase because when the other fighters introduced he goes it's like oh all the way from paris france and he goes paris my ass also he's very southern in this movie too well maybe for that one scene i don't remember him being southern for the others you mean when he's wearing a cowboy hat he does wear a cowboy hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, he wins that fight, and then uh, his name what, is Travis, by the way. Is it red? The cowboy hat? Yeah. No, it's black. Because oh. Evil John DeHart steals it later on. Oh, Evil John DeHart. We'll get to him. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to him. him. Oh right, I forgot about him. <laughs> the head of security. John DeHart Evil John DeHart. Leave this po- podcast. <laughs> I'm um, still working on getting an interview with John DeHart, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, anyway, Chris oh. Penn is chilling with Wayne Newton backstage, and um, he's just running his mouth off, and he's all like, you know what, I'm good enough to beat any of your steroid freaks. Yep, and then Baracus walks by, who is like a, he is the poor man's Dolph Lundgren, of mm-hmm. said, the proletariat Dolph Lundgren. Mm-hmm. I apologize, kid. <laughs> um, and basically, at first... Um, Chris Penn keeps throwing all these like words like oh you wanna what are you chicken what are you steroid what are you a girl and then nothing happens until finally he says what, what? he says something and Baracus agrees to a fight so then we cut to um, Alex who's played by Eric Roberts and Tommy Lee who's played by Ray oh it's Philip Ray Philip Ray Philip Ray plays Tommy Lee uh, no relation to the uh, drummer from Motley Crue fun fact Philip Ray directs the next two best of the best films yep oh. Featuring Gina Gershon and Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson in the fourth. And Gina Gershon in the third. We checked IMDb. <laughs> teamwork, guys. We're all about the teamwork tonight. So, um, after uh, Chris Penn utters this, we cut to uh, back to Alex, played by Eric Roberts, and Tommy Lee, played by Philip Ray. And uh, Alex's son, or Eric Roberts' son, Walter, or Wally as we like to call him, is preparing for his black belt test black belt test at age 11 which is crazy and part of the test is he has to first kick a board and then break a brick kick kick a board that's above his head and then roll up forward and smash a brick with his with his with his palm i guess mm-hmm. or his hand. long story short he does not break the brick he does not get a black belt but he handles defeat pretty well which his father says makes him even more proud of him than he could ever have imagined bullshit and makes him a man <laughs> i was moved and then we it's embarrassing. He yeah. he tries to break that brick like three or four times, and oh, he yeah. doesn't do it. And man, the looks from the crowd are. Oh, it shit. looks like he's like broken his hand. Uh, broken like the, his soul. Other, he, he, his he's the very he's like broken. the very last kid who has to break the brick. All the other kids are just like effortlessly right, just like smashing the bricks. Almost as if the, as if the bricks like were they, not they, real. They look like the three ninjas kids and. Uh, now, I was in karate around the age of 12 to... Th- uh, probably 11 to 13. Back when you were just smashing bricks with your paws. At no point during any belt test was smashing a brick part of it. Um, you were smashing bricks with your head. Yeah, I was just smashing bricks for fun back then, not for sport. <laughs> so, um, 
After that, uh, Eric Roberts and Meg Foster, who's in this film, who plays his girlfriend, who is a news reporter, they got to go out on a date, but there's no babysitter. So they let Sean, Chris Penn, not Sean Penn, uh, Sean Penn, Chris Chris Penn, Penn. Chris Penn. The late Chris Penn. May he rest in peace. R.I.P. Chris Penn. Um, They basically tell Walter, like, no, you go with Chris Penn on his bowling night, which is actually his Coliseum night. His death match Coliseum night. So Chris Penn takes him to... To the Coliseum where... Uh, he fights Baracus. He fights Baracus. And young Walter witnesses the death of Chris Penn. How do we feel about the death of Chris Penn? It was pretty rough. <laughs> Lil's just eating popcorn. Nothing, Lil? But it was obviously a very important part of the movie. Yeah, because then it leads. He, he snaps his neck is how he kills him. Oh, and it, okay. it's odd because um, he he beats Chris Penn down, and mm-hmm. like Chris Penn's defeated and laying on the ground, barely conscious. And then the curtains close and kind of some fire goes up. Well, it's because so they shut off the camera so that it's not being broadcast. Yeah. And then it's the only the crowd that are actually inside the Coliseum that could pay for their ticket. Then Wayne Newton holds up his thumb like, does he live? And the crowd goes, boo. And then he turns his thumb down and says, or does he die? And the crowd cheers. So Baracus has to kill him. And I think as we all noticed, Wayne Newton has some impressive thumbs. Yes. And the the thumbs up, thumbs down. That's a Coliseum thing. As as I've learned from the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe. He actually really struggled with the thumbs up thing and thumbs down. It almost seemed like he didn't really know what he was doing. Like his hand was all contorted in a word. Did we talk about... um, uh, Wayne Newton's hair yet? Um, well, I need to I need to point this out because Graham mm-hmm. described it described Wayne Newton's hair as a hundred percent shoe polish, which <laughs> we, which we all got a good laugh at. If you see his hair in this film or in any other film, it's pretty much like it's, it's not real. Yeah, it's clear that there's like a little bit of cotton involved and mostly shoe polish, just like keeping <laughs> it's it. It's what Steven Seagal does nowadays. But Steven Seagal has like the good benefit to be like, if I pull it back in a ponytail, nobody will notice. No, he's definitely got like the hair, the spray on, like the stuff that they advertised on infomercials at like one in the morning. Back hair in the club for men? <laughs> <laughs> Was it hair club? It came the, like a spray can. I know, the spray can, like yeah. the spray on hair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would just magically appear. Take yeah. care of that bald spot. Yeah. It's literally just you're painting your head. <laughs> to... You need to see some images of Latter-day Steven Seagal. So uh, Walter witnesses all this, goes, finds his dad. His dad and Tommy Lee go to back to the stock exchange where Wayne Newton's just dancing, like ripping up the floor. And uh, Lil's dance move there was perfect. Um, and then... <laughs> Uh, Wayne, Newton, well. Wayne Newton basically blows him off and says, like, hey, your friend was here. He did fight. He got his bell rung. His face a little messed up. But he left here with a bimbo on his arm and her tongue in his ear. I put him in a cab. Bimbo is Wayne Newton's words. Yeah. Yeah. Not not our words. He paints a picture. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and then they basically find out that, like, they pull Chris Penn's body out of the river. Oh, man. We almost forgot when um, when little Wally or Walter... He, when when he leaves the Coliseum after witnessing his uncle getting oh, killed. Oh, the, the creep guy. It gets very uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas all of a sudden, where he's like he's like almost hallucinating, his perspective is, is distorted, and then some skeevy, balding gentleman asks him, Hey, kid, you want to ride? And then the, ki- <laughs> the skeevy gentleman watches him go. His yep. eye line is, very, is pointed at a certain part of his anatomy that made us all feel very uncomfortable. 
It's 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 upsetting. So Lil. Yeah. Uh what happens next? Where did we leave off? Oh, I don't even know where we left we off. Oh, Chris, Chris Penn's body Chris in, the Penn in, the, in the river. Yeah, they find his body in the reservoir. Reservoir of... Reservoir dogs. dogs. Oh. What? We're so clever. Well, I don't know, but the boy <laughs> is just so adamant, you know? These guys slaughtered... Chris Penn. Chris Penn. And yeah, so, there's some weird scene at the the newsroom where he goes to confront his girlfriend. Yeah, because his girlfriend Meg Foster is a news anchor, so she chooses exactly what goes on the news. And he literally walks onto right. the, onto the set in front of the cameras and says, "Hey, you gotta talk about cr- my else. friend Chris Penn was murdered." Or else it's over. Like ultimatum. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, they have an inexplicable control of the media. Like, considering that, like their like mm-hmm. karate, karate gym school. made the front page in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, now you got to talk about this. My son saw something, something weird. Um, <laughs> and she's like, "This is a sports segment. I'm gonna talk." <laughs> <laughs> that, that, this is a sport. That was a pretty funny because like, like after they had their argument, he gets kicked off off stage, and it goes like, "Okay, and we're on in three, two, and then she's like. So today the Miami Dolphins bought the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Didn't I work. think she actually it's more generic. She's like in sporting news today. Um, I don't like it's just like a quick uh, cut to like the next scene. Which is I can't even remember. Is, oh, that's when the kid leaves school and he's on his BMX bike and the guys in the car are following him. And oh, he bikes onto Area Fifty One accidentally. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so in so basically, like uh, Walter's leaving school, he's on hops on his bike, notices that there are four gentlemen, including Evil John DeHart, following him in a uh, car, and then he uh, he bikes away from them, but never goes off road. Like he's in a BMX, never goes off road, which would totally throw them off. Um, but instead, bikes somehow bikes right onto Area Fifty One, which is just outside of LA. I mean, Las, Los Vegas, Angeles, apparently. Las Vegas. I mean, that is kind of correct where it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, like, why is the fence for some reason is open and it's Area 51? The, there's just like, there's just like cars like just driving willy nilly through uh, Area 51. Some kid on a BMX bike. Whatever. Yeah, and the, the military police do stop the um, the, the the bad guys uh, featuring Eagle John DeHart. And so the kid gets away, but then. He goes back home, and then there's an assault on their home, and that's when Tommy Lee like does that crazy awesome thing that my cousin sold me on for watching the movie. He's like, "Oh, he like breaks his wrist and creates a bubble in his arm." So what he does is he actually just snaps his wrist and twists it around so that his wrist kind of like collapses into the arm and creates this like bubble of blood, guts, and and bone. It's very gross. Yeah, I think I think we all went ooh at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that was grody to the max. Yeah, and Lily, you can you can you can take the microphone away from me and, and just talk into it and take over if you want at any point. No, Lil's shaking. The look of disdain and like dismissal on Lil's face right then is like that feels familiar. Oh, this popcorn is just too good. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, that's a good thing to take away from the movie. Graham does buy some mighty good popcorn for these uh, for these events. Anyways, so uh, the bad guys attack. Uh, Alex's house with both Walter and Tommy Lee there. There's some cool, awesome killing or action rather. Some bubble wrists. Bubble wrists. And then Tommy Lee, Alex, and the kid take off for Tommy Lee's uh, family home, I guess, which is a curio shop slash gas station. 
um, where we meet James, who is uh, Tommy Lee's uh, older brother. This is where we find out Tommy Lee is actually Native American. Or partially Native, and partially Native, Native, Native American. American and partially and Asian. There's Native a whole Lee. bunch of Native American culture appropriation going on here. But is it appropriation if it's actually Native Americans doing it? Well, I'm pretty sure that James is not Native American, but... And there's a big confrontation, like, you know, and yes, brother it is. to brother. and Yeah, we meet James, who is um, Tommy Lee's drunken older brother, who is also a fighter and who also fought Baracus. There's a history. He's got the scars to prove it. Those scars are never explained, by the way. They look like Wolverine scars. Oh, those. And and Graham was all like being all mysterious, like, oh, that'll be explained. And no, nope. It was the sticks. The sticks (laughs) they fought with at the end that caused those scars. It's the training, you know? Like, here, I trained. It's very serious. Yeah. I'm ready. So anyways, it turns out that James is one of the th- of three people on Earth that has fought Baracus and lived to tell the tale. So he trains both uh, Tommy and Alex in the ways of fighting Baracus. Oh, he does have a very good line when he's still drunk, by the way. I don't know if Philip's usually good did, at reading did we these say lines. Already? So which one is it? It's not the one about I'll rip your ears off, stick it up your ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, the one. Ch- okay. Yeah, I'll rip your <laughs> rip your goddamn hand and stick him where the sun don't shine <laughs> so you can hear me kick your ass. <laughs> what? Is he, oh, and then Eric Roberts laughed at that. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, he was like, yeah, that one's funny. Come on, you got to give him that. I know he's your alcoholic older brother that's like good for nothing, but that was a funny joke. <laughs> it's true. So, uh, then after this training sequence, which is a combination of Rocky Four and Rocky Three, they do the whole like lugging uh, tree trunks on their shoulders, but it's actually like old railroad uh bedding um and then the bad guys show up yet again in a silent helicopter that apparently just shows up out of nowhere sneaks up on them yeah it's kind of hard to sneak up on someone on a heli- in a helicopter wait you had a, an adorable story about the uh, the stick montage where you were telling us that oh yeah so that you and your friends uh, I'm, cousins, I'm trying to think of 10 year old 10 year old graham here so uh in Stockholm, uh newfoundland uh, my cousins <laughs> and i after watching that scene, because I was also taking karate at this time when I watched it, um, and I a little bit of bow staff training, but not enough to be honest. Um, I, sound, I sound like Napoleon Dynamite. I've got bow staff skills. <laughs> um, Lillian will never set foot in my house again now. So, so after watching that stick fighting montage or stick training montage, me and my cousins, we unscrewed all the broomsticks from my my aunt's like mops and brooms, and and they, and they had a large house uh, out in Stock Cove, and we like practiced like stick karate in the garage. Um, it was as kids do. It was so pretty, cute. pretty darn. Awesome. Did you say so cute? Yeah. It is pretty adorable. I'm trying to picture young Graham doing this. And That's you would try it. to basically, you, you because as uh, as Tommy Lee learns, when uh, he, his, his brother James yeah. throws the stick at his feet, and it then Tommy Lee goes to pick it up, and then James hits him with the yeah. stick. And the, Turns out you have to use your what foot to lift it up. Can you say that again? <laughs> You've got to do it like this, and like kick it up with your foot. And catch it in the air. And he does. And, like, I think his hair blows in the wind, too. It does a little. Does it. Um, so, yeah, we, we, would always try, we, we would always try to do you that. You need to watch it again, Graham. 
We would we would always try to do in that. Slow mo. Sorry, what? In slow mo. We would always try to do that, but it never worked. You can never kick up a stick that way. But we had our whole routine where it was like, okay, up, up, sweep, sweep, block, block, oh my overhead. God, that's so cute. Yeah, yeah. Me, my sister Catherine, uh, my cousins Austin and Patrick and Susan. And yeah, we, we had our whole, whole routine down. Adorbs. So, uh, they kidnapped Tommy Lee and they're about to burn down the uh, the house or the curio shop slash uh, gas station with... Oh, they kill James in a shootout. Um, oh, they shoot him right in the head. Yeah, they shoot him repeatedly. And he still keeps going for a little bit, but then eventually gets brought down by bullet fire. He's able to stab a guy. Yep, in the heart. Like John DeHart. Nice. Yep. Any callback to John DeHart we can do. Uh, we will, because we, we love him dearly in his films. I'm shaking my head emphatically. I love how you're just saying you're shaking your head. now. I don't have to be like Kit shaking his head. Um, so <laughs> they, I've learned. So, uh, We're improving. So Eric Roberts steals one of the bad guy's guns, and then they blow up the, the compound, but they're hiding out in like a bunker underneath, and Eric Roberts doesn't wear a shirt for the rest of the movie. No, um, he does. He puts on the oh, white tuxedo. Right. Is but this he, one... Is this when they like there's this huge explosion and Graham's like, whoa, like look at that mushroom cloud and look yeah, at that mushroom cloud. Yeah, you were really cloud. into that mushroom cloud and explosion. And we were all like, yeah, holy shit, that's quite an explosion. And then the next scene is them all coming out from like this little door, all crisp and clean and yeah. unscathed. Not a scratch on them. And it was like a, a wooden hatch. Yeah. Um, that's the scene you're talking about, right? After yes. That. Okay. Sorry, it's, it's difficult going back and forth between the two of us. So, Lil, from there, where do we go? No, 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 don't ask me. I don't remember. <laughs> I was too blown away by, like, how crisp, crisp they looked coming out of that little bomb shelter they had. They, yeah, they were even mm-hmm. jaunty coming out of that bomb shelter. Yeah, they were fine. They were like, oh, yeah, this, we blew up a building so that a mushroom cloud, multiple mushroom clouds, because there was two, rose up into the sky. Yeah, we're fine. We're not even singed at all. But mom got a pretty sad, sad scene when she watched her son James get shot in the head directly. Mm-hmm. <gasps> there was a bit of slow motion, and we see her tears. And... Oh, that's right. But that's it. She gets over it. Yeah, it's fine. Um... And then Tommy Lee goes to the Coliseum where he fights his way through a bunch of different gladiators. But he doesn't go willingly. He's brought there. He's brought there. Uh, He basically becomes Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat and the rest of the movie becomes Mortal Kombat. He looks so much like Liu Kang from uh, Mortal Kombat. Yep. There's a lot of proto-Mortal Kombat actions. This is post-Mortal Kombat action. Is it really? Okay. 92. Yeah, there's like a lot of Mortal Kombat techno in the soundtrack as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime they're in that dance club, they got some great like... I feel like the There's producers. There's a lot of that stuff coming yeah. out around that time. Mm-hmm. The producers oh watched or saw Mortal Kombat, the video game, and were like, "This is yeah. this is our sequel." Yeah. <laughs> we'll just yeah. add Chris Penn in there, and boom. Chris Penn should have been in Mortal Kombat. It would have been great. Um, Unlockable character. Yes. Yeah. So uh, from there, uh, Tommy Lee fights his way up the ranks, and on the night that he gets to fight Baracus. Alex plus the Korean karate team from the first film, the bad guys are now who are now on the same side, fight their way through the Stock Exchange Club to get to the Coliseum to save their pal Tommy. But Tommy then beats the crap out of Baracus and uh, wins, offers him mercy. But then Baracus jumps from behind. Oh, that's he has that much, so much pride. You know, he won't stay down. It's not. Yeah, Baracus is pride. Tommy Lee is just a good. Human being, yeah. Like, I remember that moment, you know, where 
He was like, okay. Stay down and He's live. He's counting it yeah. down. Yeah. And then he gets up. But, and no. It's it's the old action movie trope yeah. where you want the good guy to be virtuous yeah. and not kill the bad guy when he has a chance, but mm-hmm. then the bad guy is just... That the bad claw, guy from- remember that claw, oh, that, yeah. that, you know when they're hanging on and then <laughs> they just grab on in the end and pull you down with oh, them. Oh yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, like when the hero, like when the bad guy is like hanging off the roof and the hero offers his hand for help and then the bad guy just is so obsessed with being a bad guy that he tries to pull the guy off the ledge of the roof to his death. Because he's just such a bad guy. I'm going to kill you with me, yeah. 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 This is such a trope that I always respect movies, no matter how bad they are. And I think there was a Steven Seagal one with Chris Christopherson that is a a good example. Where he doesn't kill the bad guy, even though the bad guy does try some shit at the end. He's like, you know what? You're still going to live, but you're going to prison. Yeah. Oh, that's like the the Dark Knight. Um, He doesn't kill anyone. Yeah, and that's kind of the whole point of that film. Exactly. Like, suffer being who you are? just like the they shouldn't just that killing doesn't solve the problem it's they they write a contrivance into the plot to make the good guy be able to kill the bad guy without losing any of his virtuosity Mm -hmm. that's like in the first batman film and that's also in the first Mm spider-man film and it's kind of in the first uh batman begins film where he's like i don't have to kill you i i I I always think of the movie the movie ransom with uh with mel gibson and gary sinise as the bad guy Uh, mel gibson defeats gary sinise and gary sinise is on the ground defeated about to be arrested but then gary sinise gets that gun and then mel gibson has to shoot him dead it's pretty classic uh i just wanted to say that yesterday when i mean not yesterday last time when we were watching get even or get Get even get even get even or champagne um, and bullets, or the road to revenge. I even looked at it I and went. Slow lemon chilla lift, by the way, guys. Oh God. Oh God. Don't my hair tempt just, us. The hairs on my neck just stood up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just want. Remember uh, when he after that opening scene with the bust and all that, mm-hmm. and. Um, classic opening scene uh, DeHart started like pumping iron and, and working out and it was just oh so... he's doing the karate stuff yeah, yeah the karate montage that was so that was so Batman to me oh the training the training the training montage yeah yeah and they, they kind of do it in this too uh, on the uh, native reservation when they're like working out and like pulling cars and that's and, where we get I've written down intense pit stains and I think that's what that refers right, to the intense pit, pit stains on Eric <laughs> Roberts shirt as he talks to his son and by the way his son is lying on the hood of a car with a smashed windshield and rust everywhere it's a tetanus nightmare so anyways Eric Roberts and uh, the Koreans fight their way through the club to the Coliseum to witness Brackus being killed by Tommy Lee and uh, Wayne Newton's like, oh, it's the new owner of the Coliseum. By the way, when you win a fight, you become the owner of the Coliseum legally somehow. Um, and the stock exchange club that it's built underneath. Um, so Wayne Newton's like, oh, he's the champ. You'll be seeing more of him in the, in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Uh, and then he's like, champ, you got to say something. Come it's on, like a prison sentence. For me. And, uh, and then Tommy Lee says. They're like slaves or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Coliseum is closed lights get shut off credits roll end of film oh don't forget eric uh, eric roberts epic mic drop oh, oh right. yes. yeah so after after tommy lee says that the coliseum is closed eric roberts who's holding the microphone just chucks it straight back over his head the first mic drop in history 
Um, and and Wayne Newton gets his nose busted. Oh, right, because Eric Roberts kicks him in the face or something? Uh, does, doesn't he, like... Uh, like a backhand yeah, fist? Like, like a backhand yeah, fist. It's like, a, it's like an elbow to, yeah, the, as, to the nose. As, as Eric Roberts and, and, uh, and uh, Tommy Lee are leaving... Uh, Eric Roberts hits Wayne Newton in the face and he falls down and we all have a good chuckle and then credits roll. I think Wayne Newton says something like, you'll be back. And of course he is back for best of the best part three. But they're not back in the Coliseum. It's it's a different plot line. No, Wayne Newton is not in that one. No, Wayne Newton is done. Much like James Earl Jones, much like James Earl Jones in the first one. Although we didn't get to Wayne Newton's uh, MC Hammer reference. Then Kit, fill us in. Oh, there's not yeah, much to fill Yeah, what's that in. about? There's a reference to a hammer. Oh, there's a guy with a hammer. And then Wayne Newton is like, I thought Hammer was a rapper. It's a pretty terrible reference. Okay, so uh, <laughs> quick, quick, quick uh, fact here. The bad guy Baracus is actually played by Ralph Moeller, who is a, uh, who's born in uh, Recklinghausen, Germany in 1959 to a German mother and an American father. Um... He was a bodybuilder from the years of 1976 to 1991, and then his acting career lasted from 1987 to 2002. He is most well known for the film Cyborg, where he co-starred with um, good old Jean-Claude Van Damme. And in 1992, he appeared in Universal Soldier with Dolph Lundgren, who we compared him to earlier. Who we compared him to earlier, where he played the, where he played one of the Universal Soldiers. Uh, and then he was briefly considered for the role of the T-1000 in Terminator 2: Judgment Day. James Cameron still sucks. Uh, it would have been like, uh, but uh, the producers believe the role needs to be done by a performer with a, with a much more slender build than Moeller's, who is quite muscular. So the role went to Robert Patrick. Um, and then everything you know, is connected. Exactly. And then he did a bunch of other stuff. He was in Gladiator briefly, where he played, where he appeared with Sven Ole Anderson, who is the um, one of the most famous stuntmen in history, who is also Swedish, much wow. like Dolph Lundgren. Uh, fun fact, Dolph Lundgren, even though he's not in this film, uh, was always cast as Russians. However, he was Swedish. There's right. a lot of, by the way, as we noticed, a lot of Rocky Four type things going on in this you film. You guys kept hopping from three to four, I noticed. It's four, is the one with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. I've got some trivia from IMDb. Ooh, let's do trivia first. Hold on. This first one might put you to shame, Graham. What's that? Um, the form <clears throat> that the children do at the beginning of the movie is choreo. The first form learned in something called WTF Taekwondo, which <laughs> I that kind of <laughs> seems fake there, Kit. I don't think I'm being put to shame by your fake trivia there. Learned in WTF Kit. Taekwondo as a black belt, although many schools teach it sooner. Mm-hmm. Says so Taekwondo. I wouldn't know anything about that. I did karate. In taekwondo. And then the other thing, which I, I feel like Graham should should point out, is that the man um, who is a bouncer at the right so, at the stock exchange, who later gets stabbed with a pencil by uh, by Eric, Eric Roberts, Roberts, stabs him in the hand with a pencil. He is actually Kane Hodder, who portrayed Jason Voorhees in Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, Friday the uh, Part Seven: The New Blood, Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight: Jason Takes Manhattan, Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. And Jason X, where he goes to outer space. So he is a and he kills is the, David Cronenberg. Right, he kills David Cronenberg in the opening of the movie. He is. Does the, he really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, David yeah. Cronenberg's in the movie. Um, he is the longest tenured Jason in the series, and he is someone that still uh, very much likes the role, and he would be doing it to this day if uh, studios hadn't interfered. 
Who did they cast in the uh, in the remakes? There were two remakes. Uh, there were not two remakes. There I was there was just there was Freddy versus Jason, which had Ken Kernzinger, who was actually um, there was a, a reboot. Yeah, I know. I'm getting to it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, in Freddy versus Jason, it was Ken Kernzinger who was a Vancouver actor who actually appeared in Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. As a uh, as a chef that Jason throws through a window, and he also briefly portrayed Jason in that film for when he was walking up out of the subway. And in the 2009 remake uh, or reboot, rather, it was performed by Derek Mears, uh, who did a really good job. Has anyone seen the 2009 Friday the 13th? I thought it wasn't bad. Yeah, I remember thinking it wasn't bad. Good use of Sister Christian by um, Night Ranger. By Night Ranger, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and it wasn't that bad. So back to this film. So, um, any the, other uh, trivia? My last trivia is this is the only sequel in the Best of the Best series to be directed by the first film's director, Robert Radler. I'm not sure if I already said this bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Future sequels would be directed by franchise star Philip Ree, yep. who plays Tommy Lee. A lot of the times when there was or one... The- Philip Ray, I'm was, not sure. Yeah, Philip Ray. There was one theatrical release and then a bunch of director video sequels in the early 90s or late 80s, it was one of the stars that took over. If you notice, this one was also produced by Philip Ray as well, where it's like, hey, I like this character. I want to keep this going. So they wanted producing sequels and then eventually directing sequels. Um, Anthony Perkins actually ended up directing Psycho 3, which was the only way they could oh, get wow. to do it. Yeah, it was... Uh, who directed Psycho 2? Was it Irving? I saw Irving? a lot of Psycho 2, and it wasn't very good. Psycho 2 is really good, but it's I, liked it. I don't remember it being good. Oh, maybe that'll be next week. Well, that was on with Meg Tilly, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe I saw Psycho 3 then. Yeah, Psycho 3 is not good. Psycho 4 is... Go. Psycho 4 is especially not good. Oh, so shit hits the fan after 2? It doesn't improve. Or shit no longer starts hitting the fan after 2. There's no shit left. (laughs) There's also really... Out of of all the horror sequels, there's really no reason to go beyond Psycho 3. What happens in 3, if if you guys don't mind me asking? Uh, Someone else comes to the motel. He kills some more people. Part (laughs) 4 is kind of interesting because he's in jail and it's kind of a prequel slash sequel. Because it flashes back to him as a child with his mother. And it deals with issues deals with lots of issues all the movies deal with issues all the psycho movies no I mean. but like it kind of brings it kind of to the foreground Full like circle. breaks it down yeah. yeah totally that's exactly what happens mm. um phil do you have anything to add trivia wise or to our discussion here uh i did not do any research so i don't know any trivia about okay that's the best too so we're going to go into the reviews uh, some imdb reviews because they are always interesting or is how this get made calls it second opinions. Whatever. So the title of the <laughs> wow. first review Ooh, the is disdain. The title of the first review. Yeah. You know what? Don't do it. Don't do it, Graham. I'm gonna start a war yeah. with uh, how did this get made? You guys tear movies down. You are not above the movies you watch. We are not above the movies we watch. We watch them for entertainment. We you, are above some of the movies we, we watch. We are not above. We are not. Uh, this is not a podcast of superiority. If it becomes that, I'm canceling it right now. We are. This is not some hipster bullshit that you know to make the oh we're so above this movie. It's funny. It's stupid. Guess what? You could make half the movies they watched. They couldn't make a stupid movie if they tried. You hear that, Paul Shear? Yeah, I know who you are. But, but they they do you're love Paul half Shear. the movies they watch. You're Chris. a you're a la- you're a you're a lower level comedian that couldn't shine the shoes of Janine Garofalo. Wow. 
You yeah. also got you also got I'm slapped in the there. face by Chevy Chase. Yeah, and I <laughs> like Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. That yeah. rhymes. Slapped in the face by Chevy Chase. That, that should rhymes, be the title. and you know it rhymes. That should be the title of your autobiography, Paul Shear. <laughs> so with that note, Paul Shear, <laughs> I'm gonna say goodbye and good night. What? No. No, Is we're not done. A... I'm saying that's Paul oh, okay. Yeah. Night and good luck. No, no. <laughs> goodbye and good night. Goodbye. I'm, I'm not saying good luck because screw him. The buck stops here, bucko. Oh, that was uh, evil John DeHart is able to spout that oh, line at one shit. point. Oh, shit. Shit's getting real. <laughs> yeah. What other podcast can I pick a fight with? Candleland, Jesse Brown, get off Trudeau's nuts for once. Come on, man. He's got a whole country to manage. But you're, you, I do like your podcast quite a bit, though. <laughs> is there nothing more Canadian than that? Like, you know what, smarten up, guy. <laughs> you're right, but yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have some harsh words for this American life? No, they do Get a good job. Get glass to... Uh... They, do, they, they do a pretty good job. Screw you, Sarah Koenig. No, I like cereal. <laughs> Anyways, the IMDb reviews. Uh, the first one up is titled, Disgusting, Violent, Awesome. 9 out of 10. Not quite Jean-Claude Van Damme, but still excellent karate action. This is Eric Roberts at his best for sure, double exclamation point. My kids use it to psych up for football, and my girl uses it to get pumped up for her judo competitions. If I could find this on DVD, I would play it around the clock. (laughs) I I feel like that was written by Eric Roberts, perhaps. (laughs) Next review, titled Overused Storyline, but done very well. I saw this movie for sale at a local store and decided to check it out, and I have to say, I was impressed. Briefly summarized, this movie is about three good friends who were once champions in a karate tournament. Two of them teach karate to young children, and the other fights for money. In a typical turn of events, the third is killed, big surprise, and the two others decide to get revenge, or as we like to say, get even. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The action is non-stop, and even though this is a reused storyline, the action is incredible. Eric Roberts is an amazing actor, and he never comes across as fake or overacting. And Philip Ray Again, is, this is written by Eric Roberts, isn't and, it? And Philip Ray is an amazing martial artist. This is a must-see. Maybe it's written by Philip Ray. Now, we go on to a slightly less... Oh my god, this is a long review. Is that what? Is that a bad one? It looks like it. Do you want to help All me read that? bad puns. Do you want to help me read this one, Lil? The title is Good, Bad, and Ugly. Ooh, with a title like that, you know there's some yeah, goodies yeah. in here, right? This is the best of the best of if the If you want to talk about a movie what? that's a black hole for careers, let's talk about Best of the Best too. Awesome. Director Robert Radler wound up working wound up working on Power Rangers episodes. Eric Roberts usually appears in magazines making jealous comments about his much more successful sister. And Julia, daughter. Julia Roberts and Philip Ree. Well, the less said about Best of the Best 3 and 4, the better. Ooh. Ralph Moeller, the chief bad guy, usually winds up playing the big sidekick, most visibly in Gladiator. Ironically, he's probably made out better than anyone else involved, save for the invincible Wayne Newton. Take it over from here, Graham. So many sick burns already. Judged by the standards of its genre, the movie isn't entirely terrible. 
judging action movies on the same scale as more respectable fare is like expecting your 59 cent hamburger to taste like steak and best of the best too is better than a lot of comparable movies I've seen the fight scenes are refreshingly high impact and plentiful Newton is as deliciously slimy as Richard Dawson in The Running Man and Muller makes for a formidable bad guy in the ring in these respects and others, this movie compares well with better-known movies like Bloodsport or the terrible Kickboxer. I've actually never seen Kickboxer. I haven't seen Kickboxer either. Kid, have you seen Kickboxer? No. Yeah. Or Kickboxer have you seen it too? Well? Yeah, yeah. You seen it? Is it good? Yeah, it's good. It's a JCVD yeah. film, right? Yeah. Okay. Continuing on, the bad parts are definitely bad. However, the script as is usual for the genre, consists of the standard tough guy posturing, but is not even particularly clever at that. Roberts looks like he's being directed to think about his paycheck whenever he's supposed to act happy. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. Ray, the real star, does a good job in the ring, but his transformation from calm martial artist to brutal vengeance artist is not really played at all. The bad guys, other than Moeller and to some extent Newton, are completely devoid of menace. The worst part of all and one of the most cringe-inducing scenes I've ever witnessed is the first scene with James, where a pathetic drunk's tragic fall is played for laughs. This scene will and should offend almost anyone who understands it. And, Kit, you brought this up. Basically, uh, they are saying, like, oh, we've got a Native American character in this film. Let's make him a drunk. Yeah, that happens. Thanks for that insight, Kit. We watch a lot of problematic movies on this podcast. But we always sort out the problems. Do or we don't. I find your lack of faith disturbing, Kit. <laughs> so, Lil, if you want to finish it off for me, I think we're up here. On the ugly side, the movie's production design definitely reflects its budget. Best of the best, two looks and sounds at least 10 years older than it actually is. In style, form, and substance, it's well behind the curve. Some of the violence is really painful to watch, namely two close-ups of Ree breaking limbs and Hapkido arm locks. Hapkido. Hapkido arm locks. Mm-hmm. This is a cheap shot, but Robert's girlfriend looks like she's about 70. All told, it's not a study in economy. Shot for about the same budget as a Star Trek The Next Generation 2 part episode, this movie looks way worse. Is it completely terrible? Well, don't be looking for The Godfather. (laughs) If some cheesy fighting is your bag, however, you're looking at the right movie. Recommended for genre, diehards, and 12-year-olds, but not really for anyone else. That person was so resentful. Did this yeah. person work on the movie? I, their their name is PM And we're ripped off. P Mac Attack eighty four. P Mac Attack. I know, that's quite like yeah. he I gotta agree with what he's yeah. saying, but like holy shit. Yeah, maybe he didn't work on the movie since he was born in nineteen eighty four. That's some major uh, vehemence yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He's definitely not Canadian because we would have been he would have just been like, you know what, it's not for everyone, but maybe it's for you. Um, but yeah, like I, it feels like this guy has a personal issue with the movie. Um, I, I found a kind of a funny goof here. Okay, what's that? Uh, it's 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 listed under character error, 
and uh, you'll have to fill me in because you've seen the first movie because it references that. Yeah. Um, when Alex and Tommy go to the Coliseum to search for Travis, which is Chris Penn's character. Yes, good old Trav. And they question Weldon, who is, that's, that is the actual name of that, the Wayne Newton the character. Wayne, is, the Wayne Newton character's name is Weldon. Weldon Dardano or something like that. I remember the Dardano part. But uh, they, and they question Weldon. He says the Coliseum is a dance club, period. Alex responds, Travis Brickley doesn't dance. Travis apparently did plenty of dancing in Best of the Best. <laughs> I, I like the plot. Like and the also plot he's played by Chris Penn from Footloose. Yes, Christopher Penn. Mm-hmm. Do, you want, do you want to read the plot hole? Oh, yeah. Plot holes. If the Coliseum is a dance club that is a front for a secret, illegal, underground martial arts competition, then why do they have windows and television monitors throughout the club so that the people dancing can view the fighting action? Uh, that, that is a good plot hole. Why does that happen, Graham? I don't know. Because, because <laughs> they're not it's a dancing. Because they're not dancing. So, Lillian, what are your thoughts on Best of the Best 2? Um, I, I remember it being that kind of like warm blanket type of like, you know, this little kid going, oh, come on, John, we gotta like, we gotta like kick some butt, you know, they killed Uncle Jimmy or whatever, you know? <laughs> Uncle Travis, but yes. Yeah. So I, I remembered that element to it and it was nice to see that it was still there and yeah, that's, uh, it's it's basic formula like we went over tonight like yeah. it's got all those components to it mm-hmm. and uh it's also got that little like emotional little heart string pull however minimal it may be but uh i remember that being an important element in all those action movies too so oh definitely like the whole little kid thing definitely like brought me back to being a little kid watching this movie yeah Kit, what are your final thoughts on right. Get Even? Lil's I mean, on, 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 uh, not on Get Even, on... Uh, on best of the Best Part. Best best edit, part edit, edit. No, no, no. <laughs> Unresolved uh, commentary on Get Even. We could talk so much um, more about Get L- Lillian, with her description there, has actually changed my mind a little with the uh, the warm blanket. It is kind of a warm blanket. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not really seeing anything different, but what they're doing is like, it's not... It's, so I could imagine it's, this being on in the background mm-hmm. while you're doing other things. It's just on TV. It comes on uh, yeah, one of those this, commercial this channels like, one this day. This is like a Spike TV movie circa 1999. And it's just, it's exactly what you expect. Or it's TBS's movies for guys who like movies. Indigenous culture appropriation set aside. I mean, we don't know if it's actual appropriation because they kind of look native, but maybe not. Uh, it's uh, Slippery slope. <laughs> you, you could comfortably fall asleep to this film. And I think yeah. actually a couple of our podcast hosts almost did. Yeah, Phil was out a little bit. Are you calling me out here, Kent? <laughs> yeah, he is, Phil. That's what he's doing. Good point. Good point, Busted. Anyway, Phil, what are your thoughts? Uh, I was kind of whatever about it. Um, I guess with that being said, it's time to, to turn our podcast over to the ghosts that haunt this video store off of Highway 9 and see what they've chosen for us next week. So let's... Um, careful, Graham. Careful. I'm always careful, Kit. So let's break out that VG board. Well, if you wouldn't mind just holding uh, the it in VG place. Board. The VG board. And, um, okay, let's start sounding out what's next, coming next month. <coughs> uh, it is a... Uh, is that an F? F. Uh, I think it's more of a... 
There is an F in there, but I think it's more of a G G G G G G G J Jackass the movie part three. JFK. A no, not JFK. Is it JFK? We're gonna watch JFK. With Kevin Costner. S. Oh. Jusso. What? Jason goes to heck. Jason goes to hell. The final final Friday. What? Wow! What a connection to the film we just watched. I know. Same actors. Kane Hodder and Kane Hodder has a non-Jason appearance in that film as well. Fun. Well, I I thought maybe just maybe Mm -hmm. we could do final analysis, which would bring Eric Roberts back into the picture. It would be a double whammy. It also starts with an F. We'll, um, I will, uh, uh, so. I that that has anything to do with anything. Yeah, I know. So, Lil, uh, uh, we're, I'm actually working on final, finding final analysis. So, yes. we, you gotta, you gotta give me a few So, weeks. that's just, uh, that's just a feature thing that the ghosts kind of just. The ghosts are throwing that out there just to see if anybody's interested. Part of, part of the reason why we have Lil coming back again another week is that she's actually kind of a shaman. And um, the ghosts kind of don't bother us as much when she's around. Yeah. They so just bother her. I, I keep them at bay. And yeah. uh, they like to like attack me sometimes. But I just say, you know what, guys? Come back later. <laughs> I thought you were going to say take a hike. Yeah, like same thing, you know? Yeah. Beat it. Like Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, not like that. <laughs> I, I have some concerns because I haven't... Um, there are a few Friday the 13th movies I haven't seen. I have not you seen Jason Go see, Takes Manhattan. Or... You don't need to see any of them to watch this movie. Because this is actually a almost out of context movie. So um, we'll get into it next week. But you do not need to... Have you guys seen Hobo with a Shotgun? Yes. She loves it. No. Phil, I'm looking at you. No? No, I haven't seen it. <gasps> I saw it in theaters. Uh, I've only seen like the Grindhouse trailer. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that, and I just glanced over at Graham's uh, little selection there. And you, you mean the video store selection here? Graham, Graham brings a selection with him when he comes to the uh, it's okay, abandoned it's okay, video okay, store. You can break the fourth I, wall. I, I guess Don't this is the one it. that he keeps in his briefcase. But Graham my has a briefcase eye, full of movies. Picture my that, everyone. Eye, uh, my hobo with a shotgun caught my eye, and I absolutely adore that movie. And Graham, I remember you going on about it, and. Uh, you have two copies Once of I things to do. Once I checked it out, I was like, any recommendation from you is solid gold. Oh. So that'll be a future episode as well. Hope we'll check in. But uh, as for next week, we're going to be watching Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, which was actually the first uh, Friday the 13th film not produced by Paramount Pictures. It was produced by New Line Cinema. It was the return of Sean S. Cunningham to the series after the very first installment. Um, and it also features a very different type of movie than the standard Friday the 13th fair which is good and bad um I prefer the classic Friday the 13th parts 2 through 8 it's also not the final Friday I think it, sh- it should no, be mentioned it wasn't the final Friday kid no. neither was Friday the 13th part 4 the final, the final chapter. chapter part 5 a new beginning was not a new beginning although part 6 Jason Lewis was correct because <laughs> he does live <laughs> yeah yeah 
So uh, there, that- there was that funny uh, bit in kick, the movie Kicking and Screaming, the Noah Baumbach where like they're yeah. like doing like their trivia, or they think that like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is called Jason Kills, and they're like, it's no. not Jason Kills, it's, it's Jason Lives. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, guys, uh, I am but Graham. He does kill that. Yeah, I am Graham. I'm Kip, and I'm Phil, and we are joined by our very special guest, the one, the only. Thank you so much for being here, Will. You made the podcast better. Uh, so, yeah, with that being said, thanks for listening to Death by Video. Please like us on Facebook, share us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe on iTunes, and uh, give us a like on SoundCloud if you care. Um, send us some feedback if you like. Other than that, uh, please be sure to rewind, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Hot damn. Goodbye. Goodbye. What a mess, I confess, that's not all Dark as shame, darling, dark as shame Thank you for walks down lover's lane I can see hearts carved on a tree Let us intertwine for all time, yours and mine Shane, darling, darker Shane. Thank you for seeing me again. Though we go on our separate.